So many bad takes on sports. What do you do with all of them? Only there is something in your head to control the things you say. Well, the killer bees use them to build an actual street where they can get run over for all eternity. 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 What's that street? Bad Take Boulevard. Bad, 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 bad take. Bad all right, Killer Bees here, ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Joe George, Joel Blank here with you till 6 o'clock. We'll have DJ Bienemy coming up at 6.30. 6.30? 30. We're off the air. How's that treat? I didn't sleep much last night. At least you're not drinking. I'll be fine. Uh, no, you just Jeremy, said DJ is coming on at 6.30. No, Jeremy didn't get fired. That's not why he's here. Um... Come on, guys. We're still believing people when they say stuff like that. We wouldn't do that on the air. All right, but we're doing our Bad Take Boulevard bracket of 2023. I compiled the eight worst takes I could find. We had more, but we kind of cut it down, just kind of make sure we got it all in before the end of the year. Today we're going to do two matchups. So next week we'll have the semifinals. We've had two. Uh, we had the number one seed lose to the number eight seed, which was the Twins fans chanting, We Want Houston. Our number two seed, Joel Blank, advanced yesterday. I get to be a, the the in, independent train wreck where I just... To be I, fair, just so you know, with you and Jeremy, I did literally a coin flip. I didn't know who to put two and three. So I and I still, the more the I thought about it last night, you're right. You brought up one that I didn't even remember. Stoots should have been on here twice. I know, but I didn't want any trauma. Um, all right, so we got seven to go through. You get more. <laughs> we have two to go through today. So we have the four versus five and the three versus six. Three or four. Which one are we starting with, Joel? You pick. All right, we'll start with number three. We have Jeremy Branham. Uh, on draft night, it was a great night. We had a good time. He went on the air with Paul and someone else that doesn't work here anymore. And he said that it was uh, the Texans draft night could be the worst day in franchise history. Oh, that was, was the day? That was the day. It was immediately after the draft happened. He went on the air. He said it to Paul. It was a good reaction. So let me verify. That was the night that C.J. Stroud became a Houston Texan. Uh-huh. And, and Will. C.J. Stroud. Oh, no, I'm not done. And C.J. Stroud has turned out to be very, very, very good and beloved in this city, right? Mm-hmm. I'm doing all I can to try and keep my ass out of winning this thing. And then, on top of it, they made a trade that he and I both questioned to be, again, because I'll own it, to be fair. I, I said that it was still very questionable, and it's up in the air to who won that trade. But that was Will Anderson, who we know has a lot of football ability, regardless if it could have been Sam Laporta and Gibbs and everybody else. But this team blew a massive lead to the Chiefs in the divisional round of the playoffs with a chance to get farther than they've ever been, and we watched it all disintegrate right before our eyes. That might have been the most devastating game and a day in Texans history. Yeah. So was trading DeAndre Hopkins. So was trading for Laramie Tunsil. There were a, so was all the Deshaun Watson drama. There was a lot. Yeah, I don't know that draft day was up there. Yeah, well he said could have, to be fair, because True. obviously he's been proven very wrong in that take. Yep. Uh, and then numbers the six seed that he's going against yeah, what's the other is side the local media members that were encouraging all of you Astros fans to root for the Texas Rangers in the World Series. So that's our three versus six matchup. You don't want to. You don't want to. Uh, Sean Salisbury and Clint Sterner. They said yeah. that specifically. They they said you should root for the Rangers. As much as I'd like to pile on Branham because he likes to pile on me. I, oh, I you're going to go the other way. I'm going to go the other way. Interesting. Yeah, I just because the minute that I heard that, I was just like, oh, you've got to be kidding me. Like as an Astros fan. It's sacrilegious to, to root for the Rangers at any point in time. If you're a Cowboys fan, 
you just you just never as bad as you are and how you're never going to see a Super Bowl again. You never want to go and root for the Eagles. You know, you would never root for the Eagles. You never root for the Giants in your own division. So it's just to to say you would root for the Rangers because they're in Texas with you. It's dumb. Nope. Agreed. All right. So that's the first matchup we're going to go through. So on the Twitter account at ESPN975, we have poll questions up for this. You can text in your answers, twitch your answers, whatever you got. We will. uh, We did a 24-hour poll again. I messed it up. So we'll I just love declare Sean a winner. By the way, I don't know the other know. dude. It's my guy. It's my brother. Yeah. Uh, and then we got the four versus five matchup. This is where I make my debut to the bracket. Um, I owe you a hat. I owe Jeremy a bottle of Gentle Ben uh, because I said the Bears will win the NFC North. Yikes! That was um, dumb then. That was dumb now. They currently hold the fifth pick in the NFL draft. You look so a little better from the that. fact that they're actually trying to save face late in the season when it's too late to win the division. But this was like one of the easiest bets I ever could have heard oh, in my know. life. If I would have gone playoffs, I still would have had a chance. A small chance. Yeah, I still would have taken the bet. Oh, I, I still would have been all over it. Yeah, so that's the that's the four seed. And then Who the are you five, going up against? Uh, I'm going against a plaque. I'm oh, going yeah. against the plaque that says... Uh, uh, national champions, head coach Jimbo Fisher. That Texas you got the saying, easiest um, out. Branham and I are going to be in this for a while. You're out easy because there is nothing more ridiculous on the planet than putting undue expectations. I understand you paid him a, a, a boat ton of money, but the fact that you, there's Alabama in this world, there's Georgia in this world, they're both in your conference. You know how tough it is. It's good. It's not tough to create a Division One winning team and program. It's tough to crack, crack the five, the top four and then finally come up on top when in your own conference you have two teams better than you. The fact that you hired this dude and then put a plaque with an open-ended date on it to assume it was going to happen was just asking for it. I think that might be the, one of the stupidest things of all time. I think you're going to get out of this thing easy. It is like a very egotistical thing oh. to do. Do you think he was like, okay with that, that he was behind it, or he was okay with it? That's, I, a, that's a good question, because if I was Jimbo, I would have not liked that. I got a lot of money. I got everything that I ever wanted. Yeah. But I, what I don't want is to have people on my ass every day because I already overpromised. I just want to kind of coast until I know that I've got the right squad. And I obviously I still believe in my abilities, and I believe I, I'm going to get a team like that. But I don't want to put that extra on me. I got to believe that he didn't do that, that someone did it for him. I yeah. want to believe that. Uh, so we got the Twitter poll up, like I said, at ESPN 97.5. Uh, text here, 6453. Uh, John McClain said the same thing about the Rangers. I was not aware of that. Um, Guys, I like their uniforms, their stadiums like ours. I'd like you to root for the Rangers. Uh, King of Twitch just says Jeremy's take, whatever it is. Fair. I understand that. <laughs> I live that. Um, poor Marine says, gee, thanks, bad take, Joe. Come on, man. I'm not. I know. I probably could have gone on here more than once, but I don't write down my own bad takes. And other people don't write them down either. Um, all right. So you're ready to crown our, our, our champions of this, or at least this match? You're out because yeah. Texas, Texas A&M wins your bracket. And I, I honestly think that it's, it's, it's a worse take to have anybody say root for the Rangers than I could actually ever say that I want people to vote for Jeremy to win this thing, so I'm going to go that route. Well, uh, thankfully for uh, for the sake of keeping Jeremy in the tournament, we are going solely off the ESPN 97.5 Twitter account, Okay, um, which we all would have had the Panthers over the Rangers fans in that first, or the Twins fans in that first matchup. Yep. So the five seed, I put all the Texas A&M, Jimbo Fisher era. 
advances over me. Yep. And a margin of 51% to 49%. Ooh, it was tight. Jeremy advances. It was tight. To the next round. So okay. we will have next Thursday, when it is just a reminder, next Thursday from 3 to 6, we will only have one show on the station. Everyone's taken off except for Joel, Jeremy, and Paul. So next Thursday and Friday from 3 to 6, it'll be the Killer Bees plus Paul and me from 3 to 6. I don't know if it's going to be chaos. But Jeremy's out, right? No, Jeremy's in. Oh. It is you, Jeremy, and Paul on one show next Thursday and Friday. How many microphones? Three. Oh, my dumb dumb. (laughs) You're going to change your mind about your vacation days next week? Yeah, it might Uh, be So we will have uh, Jimbo Fisher's plaque that A&M made versus... Twins fans chanting, we want Houston. Okay. And then we will have Joel versus Jeremy. Uh, Joel says the Texans will we have We go top head up against each other in the two, next round? Two seed versus three seed. Yeah, yes, but that sucks do. on your seeding part because you would actually like it to culminate with us against each other in a Super Bowl. I didn't want to. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not yeah, you are. I'm not Florida State here. Yeah, you are. I'm not, the, I'm not the college football playoff committee trying to screw over Florida State. I was trying to make an honest bracket. Donna. Crystal, I understand, but like, I need all your votes next week because I don't want to lose. Vote for Jeremy. I, I want out. I want Jeremy to win that thing. It's the only time he's ever going to say vote for Jeremy. That's uh, right. It is very true. It's on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. All right. In the mood of the Christmas spirit, uh, I made a decision yesterday uh, that I need Joel's take on, and it's going to be a question of was it a cowardly move or a good decision? We talk about it next here on the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. ESPN 97.5 on YouTube. Dracula Flow. These cops are interrogating me about an ounce of weed as if I didn't kill an Applebee's hostess two miles away. It's still ESPN 97.5 and 92.5's Christmas party at Nick's Place, Rocky Ridge at Westheimer. This thing is really revving up here in the Mobile Veritex Community Bank Studios. So let's get straight back to the bees. Joe Blank and Joe George. All right, we got a text suggestion here from 6171. It says, do an NFL-style bracket where highest advancing seed plays lowest remaining seed. Uh, Jeremy is not here. I made the bracket, so I will defer to you. Is that what you would like to do? Does that mean if Jeremy was here, he gets to make the decision? No, we would have a vote. Oh. But since he's not here, you get to just decide. I think you go with the way you set it up, and you do it the way you want to do it, and I'm fine with it. And it means only one of you has to play in the championship game. I hate that, but but as long as it's not me, I'd be very happy. Donna and CeCe, I'm not kidding. You better get everybody. I better not advance in this bracket next Thursday. No, we'll do it. uh, Yeah, we'll do the semifinals next Thursday. Um, all right, so we're going to have DJ Biennemi joining us in the next segment here at 430. I actually don't know if he's coming in person. I just texted him to find out. He knows um, there's food here. That's normally a good, a good draw for him. That's true. It is. All right, so I have a question. So I made this really stupid decision, okay? I, my parents host Christmas. We're going there on Monday. I decided for some reason I would volunteer my wife and I to make the food. Now, what? I'm not going to lie. I'm not some, like, elite cook. I can do. I can grill. I can do a couple things. The plan was to learn how to make a food item. We were going to test it out, like, two weeks ago, make sure we got the recipe right, make sure it was good, maybe have to make an adjustment, be good for Christmas. We've done none of that. Wait, you thought – I, I, my first concern is if you're trying to make something for relatives and you start mm. the conversation with me by saying, we thought it was a good idea, we were going to make a food item. 
We're gonna make short ribs. A food item sounds to me like processed cheese no, food no, 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 for like no, no, a kid no. at the at the grocery store. No, no, no. A food item as a port, as I opposed guess. to like an entree, I a think meal. I think you're picking on me here a little bit. No, you always think I'm picking on. <laughs> <up. laughs> I think uh, so. What we decided to do is we were gonna make short ribs, right? We were gonna figure it out, but we never yeah. did it. We're busy. We got we got life going on. My wife works six, seven days a week right now with the restaurant being open. So last night we were out to dinner. Okay. Uh, celebrating our, our wedding anniversaries on January 18th, so we were celebrating a little early. And uh, I know, very early. I know. Um, and uh, instead of deciding to cook food on Christmas, I just Venmoed Kobo's and bought prime rib for our Christmas. So instead of cooking, I just had someone else make dinner for fantastic me. Fantastic decision. Okay, so it's not a cowardly no, decision. No, it's a fantastic decision. I think so, too. Because you know what? You... And any relative that doesn't understand this, then they shouldn't. They should be uninvited next year. Because what would you rather have? The fact that you lived up to your word and the food absolutely sucked ass, and you're like, this, <laughs> the holidays are already tough. Listening to all the relatives over talk, and now I got to eat this, or someone that cared enough to say, I'm going to get you someone that is an expert at preparing food, like our boys, our boy at Kobo's Q. And Raul makes the best food ever, and yeah. they're going to eat till they're they're going to be happy. They're going to be full. They're going to hopefully get liquored up and pass out, so you don't have to talk to them as much. You are a winner, and they are winning for being a part of that. And if yes. they don't see it that way, then next year you change your address. Yeah, see, I think I think it was the right move too. I was like, I don't want to, because that was my concern is I didn't want to screw up the food. Because have you ever? That's where I kind of want to go. Have you ever had? That holiday where the food's just not good? Oh, my God. Plenty of times. My grandma, as she got older, but still insisted on cooking a few things, not a good idea. Oh, that's tough. My dad, because Because it's, he, because it's grandma, too. So see, it's like, like, how do you take it away from So grandma? you and I share the whole restaurant in our family background. My mom and dad owned and operated their own restaurant for 16 years. My dad was an unbelievable cook. But that's when alcohol wasn't nearby, <laughs> and he was cooking for people that were actually paying for the food. When he came home on weekends and whenever he cooked for, like, family dinners... The alcohol was flowing well before the food was in the final prep- preparation stages. So that's how I got to like well-done food, well food so much. Because you didn't have a choice and everything was burnt because he was hammered. So believe me, that was always an issue in my family too. Between my grandma throwing like ridiculously weird combinations in food. Yeah. Like nowhere ever did you hear, hey, you know what goes good with macaroni salad? Liverwurst. No, it doesn't, and it doesn't belong in there. That's tough. Yeah, see, we were always uh, – we mostly did ham for the most part and for a while. And then we, like, my parents kind of changed to turkey for a while because when I moved to Houston, it's been like, what, it'll be nine years in April that I left Chicago. So because I wouldn't always go home for Thanksgiving, it was like we would always do turkey. So, like, if I went home for Christmas but didn't go home for Thanksgiving, so I would still get, like, that Thanksgiving meal, we would do th- we would do turkey at Christmas. But my wife and I, what we realized is we have no traditions. Like, we've been married for almost four years, but, like, we haven't, like, really done any traditions yet. So, like, now that my family lives down here, we were like, oh, we'll make short ribs. Now I think my tradition is buying Christmas dinner. I think, I'm I think never, it's fantastic. I might never cook, I might never think cook about Christmas how much, dinner ever how many again. hours of work it saved yeah, you what's guys? the point? It's the same amount of money almost. I don't have to yeah. clean up. I don't have to prep it. I don't have to mess it up. Like... So what we did, which ended up getting my dad's drunkenness out of the equation and my mom having to work too much, was my mom would just do, she would get like sliced roast beef and she would get a ham and then she'd have the hot rolls and then all the different sides and you can help yourself and it was, the buffet was open on the dining room table the whole day and night, but then no one had to be slaving over the the, the stove and the table 
and everybody got full, and everybody got what they wanted. It's always the best. Yeah, so, all right. Well, I'm glad you thought I made a good decision here. Absolutely. I wasn't sure what people were going to think. Um, all right, so very quickly, and, we'll, and so TJ is confirmed. He's coming in person. There's food. You're right. There's food. Um, I know we are going to do shows next week, uh, next Thursday and Friday, but we haven't, we haven't spent any time talking about the college football playoffs. No. And – I'm more excited this year just because I'm, I'm hoping to go to the national championship game. I'm hoping we get credentials, actually, and we can get to be there. But the That'd fact that it's in Houston, it's cool. How do you feel right now like these matchups are going to play out? I still feel like Michigan, to me, is the best team in the country. A buddy of mine texted me last night, and he said, you heard it from me, Michigan's going to win it all and then have the title stripped within two years. Interesting. Not out of the realm of possibilities, based on the fact that we're still hearing more and more about Harbaugh and all the antics of the coaching staff and all the different things the program has pulled. I just I look at this and, and I say, I, I, for as bad as Alabama was at a certain point during the regular season, they've yeah. gotten right at the right time for sure. And I think that their roster can can compete with Michigan. Oh, absolutely. Like, I, I I think to me it's the more. Both games are intriguing for very different reasons. Like, you have Texas and Washington, who are obviously coming from the Big 12, the Pac-12. I think there's still a lot of question marks around, like, who Texas is as a program. Like, did they really deserve to be in the Final Four over Florida State? My answer to that is easy. It's yes. It's no question. Texas deserved to be there. I still kind of wonder if Alabama would have lost the national championship game, I mean, the SEC title game, to Georgia if they would have got in. But... I think if Quinn Ewers is just, like, above average. Which he can be. I think they can beat Washington. I do, too. But that game's going to be fun. And I actually, I kind of hate the schedule. I'm not normally a, a schedule-complaining guy, but I hate that Michigan-Alabama is the 4 o'clock game. Like, that, to me, yeah. is the more intriguing game. I think Michigan's going to win. And I think Texas is going to win. And I think Michigan and Jim Harbaugh are going to face Sark and Texas in the national let's, championship game here in Houston. Let's be clear. From Sark's perspective, this is the best possible scenario for him because he's, he doesn't have uh, expectations that he can't fulfill. I don't think this team's ready to win yet. Just getting to the Final Four is a huge accomplishment for him to try and turn around Texas and literally finally get them back. This is a great step for them, but they're not the overwhelming favorite. If they lose, no one's going to like lose their lunch or someone's going to lose their job. But when I look at it, the national championship game to me is going to be Michigan and, and Alabama. And I no, think no, no, no. Michigan and Alabama play in the semifinals. That's what I'm saying. Oh, oh God. The national I, championship I game saying. to me is going to be whoever wins that game. Because yeah. I think that the other two conferences and the other two teams, they're good. They're, they've done a hell of a job. But I don't think they come close to what the SEC and the recruiting and the teams and or the Big Ten. So I think Michigan, talent-wise, and Alabama, talent-wise, with Georgia out of it, they're the two most talented teams. Whoever wins that game to me is going to win the national championship. I just think that Alabama's going to find a way to win. They've been there before. They've won it consistently. Nothing's going to surprise them. You know, Harbaugh's got a whole lot of extra pressure with the end of the season and the way everything's going down with the continued investigations and everything else. And, and, and Milrose is playing his tail off right now. He looks like he find, the light went on, and now yeah. it's bright. I think Alabama beats Michigan, I find, and I think that they find a way to win. And honestly, I think they're going to play Washington. Yeah, no, I, th I think that that is how – that's probably how I kind of see it as well. More fact, the the fact that like you're right that that is the national championship game. It like, is. I, I it's not, and it's no disrespect to Texas and Washington. Nope. I think they're both good teams. 
but I do feel like that Alabama and Michigan are far superior than them. Because to me, the biggest difference why Michigan was able to run the Big Ten so easily this year, what they did to Ohio State last year in, the, in CJ's last game versus Michigan, is that like they have just controlled the line of scrimmage in a way that you expect to see from an SEC school. And that's why I think this matchup with Alabama is interesting. Now, to Texas's credit, I think they can kind of hang, at least in, uh, in the trenches on both sides of the ball, with Alabama and Michigan. The one I don't really believe in, it's Washington. Like, if, if Washington advances to the college football championship game, I, I just think Michigan and Alabama, they're just going to control the clock. Let's be and honest. Like, it yeah. might, honestly, it, might, it could be a boring game. I don't think Penix is going to have, like, that opportunity to have – Five, six touchdowns. They got to run the ball. Over that they got to be successful running the ball, which yeah. they have been able to do. But to your point, their defensive, the defensive line that they're going to go against with Texas is different than what they've seen. And that's going to be hard because the only way Washington is going to be in a football game with a chance to win is if offensively they are able to do whatever they and want. And you're going shot for shot. They got great receivers. They've got an extremely talented quarterback that can beat you with his legs and his arm. And they've got a, when their running game is right, they can play with most any other teams in the nation, except when you start talking about the five stars and the NFL caliber linemen on both sides of the football, and in this case defensively, that both Alabama and Michigan bring at you. Mm-hmm. And I just don't know if Michigan, I mean, Washington can compete with that. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I do think for the last year of the four-team playoff, we got a good one. Like, I, I am... I'm, I'm kind of glad that I feel bad for Florida State fans. I'm, I'm glad they're not in this matchup. I just I think Washington, Texas, Alabama, and Michigan are the four most deserving teams with where we ended the season. So I, I'm glad the season is ending this way and we don't see anyone else. The other thing, just very briefly, that I, I find interesting is like there was this live-streamed Board of Regents meeting today at Florida State, and I don't know how much of it you caught or even know about, but, like, yep. they were talking about how, like, they're going to leave the ACC. If you were Florida State, where do you want to go? You want to go to the SEC or Big Ten or Big 12? I, I think any of the three is a possibility, but if you're Florida State and you still want to have your success, you want to go to the Big Ten. I think it's I, – yeah, I agree. The only reason – I know it's like – and you know this, being a Wisconsin fan – if you look at, like, the academic stuff, Florida State doesn't really fit into it. I think eventually the way it plays out is you get the three Florida schools in three different conferences. You have Florida in the SEC. You have Florida State in the Big 12. And I think Miami is the team that eventually goes from the, the ACC to the Big 10. Really? Yeah. I just – I don't know why. I think, I think, I think Florida State – Miami more, is more likely than Florida State. I think Florida State wants to stay relevant on a more consistent basis – with their legacy of football, even though their facilities have been lacking, and we go back to Jimbo even saying that, and now the fact that they're kind of they're resurfacing, and everybody loves that. That's what they expect of Florida State. They can't do that in the SEC. They just can't compete year to year. I think they could compete in the Big Ten. I think they could compete in the Big 12. So I think either one of those two would be the leading candidate if they're looking to continue their football success because they can go in and get paid if they want to go to the SEC, they ain't going to have the success of the Georgias and the Alabamas. And look, Lane Kiffin's got old Miss playing. They're recruiting went really well. And he just got a fat contract. Yeah, there's so much talent in the SEC. I just don't I just don't think that's where they want to be. All right, here's Joel Blank. You can find him on Twitter, at Pac-Man Joel. We are here at Nick's Place for the ESPN 97.5 Christmas party. We will take a break. DJ Biennemi from ESPN.com. He's here. He's in front of me. He joins us next on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. 
ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Hey, what happened? And every time something would go wrong, I would look at the camera and say, Hey, what happened? Hey, if you're headed to ESPN 97.5 and 92.5's Christmas party at Nick's place, Klein's Jewelers is totally on the way. Just saying. Now, now, back to the Mobile Veritex Community Bank Studios and your host, the Killer Bees, Joel Blank and Joe George. The Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Joe George, Joel Blank here with you till 6 o'clock live from Nick's Place. And DJ Bienemy of ESPN.com joins us here in person. What's up, dude? How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Um, you know, another week with no CJ. So I'm going to pray for my eyes. This week against that number one ranked defense. You think it's going to be that bad? Uh, I, I think it could be a nasty game from a, uh, uh, from a watching perspective. You got to think about it. Like They, they scored, uh, what was it, 19 points in overtime against uh, a Titans defense that is, I think it was like middle tier. This is the number one ranked defense in the entire NFL. So, But Case will get Nico Collins back. So I guess that's good from uh, a viewing experience. But, yeah, now this weekend might be a slugfest. Might be one of those nasty – 16 to 13 type of outcomes. But, DJ, let's talk about, before we get too much into that game, Yeah, let's talk about the CJ situation because obviously sure, it's top sure. of mind with everybody. Yep. And, and, you know, you know, Jeremy has been big on all the different concussions and who's got what and when they come back and yeah. Jimmy Ward's still practicing. But when you, you're out there every day, when you look and see this situation, and mm-hmm. we've talked about the fact that whether he was diagnosed with multiples or not, you know you had a hit in the Arizona game, a hit in the Denver game, and then you had the big hit in the Jets game. Is there something to be said about the fact that whether they were all concussions or not, when you've taken blows like that in a short period of time to your head, and because he's your franchise, he's your future, you have to be hyper, hyper careful. And people I know are worried about playoffs, but you can't risk trying to make the playoffs in year one of his career for the ramifications long term. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I see where you're coming from there. Um, I don't necessarily think they're being like cautious in that regard because of like t- to protect – his long-term development, I think, like, CJ just recovering slowly than usual. Not usual, but slowly. I think, in my opinion, he's actually recovering at the pace I expected. Like, the hit was similar to, like, when Tua got hit against the Bengals, where you get slammed into the turf, whiplash, your head hits the, um, you know, the, your back of your head hits the turf. Like, Tua missed two games and a half. Uh, CJ is starting. He's progressing now in a sense where, you know, I, you know, I was told that he, he's been a part of meetings lately. Like, I think today he was part of meetings or whatnot. So, like, there's been progress there um, in the sense that CJ is starting to make some progress in terms of strides. Yeah, some strides, right? So maybe he can start practicing next week, um, hopefully, because, again, I, I do think he'll be back at the end of this, like, at some point in this season. Because we asked Amico, could it be, like, could he be out the rest of the year? He said no. Like, hey, it's not going to be, like, one of those. But, again, like, they just want the best for CJ and his health. So I don't necessarily think, like, they're um, being precautionary to protect the rest of his career. I think because I don't even think coaches think in that regard. To be honest, like being, I think it's all coach speak. If they do say that, I think le- legitimately, CJ is re- progressing at a slower rate compared to other people. Because I think John, um, John Alexander he mentioned it. I think one of his articles for the Houston Chronicle he mentioned that the doctor told him that uh, people younger folks recover slower with concussions mainly because the brain isn't fully developed until the age of twenty five, huh. and then older hmm. guys they can recover faster because the brain is fully developed, which is why. We're already seeing Jimmy Ward back at practice. But it's also, isn't it also, that everybody's different, right? It's like yeah, exactly. everybody, something, well, he got hit on the side of the head. Well, he didn't get hit in the front of the head. Well, he got hit on the back of the head. 
everybody's different to yeah. your point. Whether your age factors in or your health or yeah. just how you are genetically set up yeah. might factor in more than you can't just say, well, that replay versus this replay. Yeah, that exactly. guy should be back sooner. Exactly. I, can, I completely agree because the, um, the hit that ended to his career wasn't a bank. Not career, but his season last year wasn't the Bengals one. It was the, the uh, Packers one. And all he did was tap his head. And he was done for the rest of the season. Like he missed the next uh, three weeks because he didn't even come back for the playoff game. And he didn't even participate in the Pro Bowl, right? Um, even though it, like, he could have, but they wanted to make sure he was fully recovered. But, yeah, it was just a tap in the back of the head. So I think it kind of go back to your point where the accumulation, uh, the accumulation of hits eventually leads into this point where you know, he's out longer than you would have liked. Yeah, maybe it's just because CJ is in the protocol right now, but I feel like we are just – realizing how little we know about concussions in yeah. this moment because like michael pittman is going to play this weekend and that was like one of the gnarliest hits we've seen in the nfl this weekend yep. he's cleared jimmy Ward, like it looks like he's good to go yeah. but nico collins like with him coming back on the on the positive side of the injury stuff we know will anderson's not playing cashman's not playing but nico collins like having him with noah brown now and case keenum how how much does that improve their chance on Sunday just having them there? Yeah, no, for sure. I, I still think, like, they have a really good shot to win. But I do think that against that secondary led by Denzel Ward and Greg Newsom, um, you're going you're, you're gonna to need your guys because we kind of saw what the offense looked like without Nico against a secondary that was legit. Like, that was legit in the New York Jets, right? Like, they couldn't move the ball huh, very much. And, granted, you know, weather factored in, which I agree, weather did factor in. And I think, obviously, it wasn't raining. It's a little bit different. But – we saw what it looked like with no tank, no Nico against that secondary. The Browns' secondary, from a cornerback's perspective, has been better than the Jets. Um, way better. Not, not way better, but drastically better in the sense that if you look at all, like, next-gen stats, passer rating, when quarterbacks target cornerbacks with at least 200 snaps, Denzel Ward and um, Emerson, I think um, he, he played a lot too. They're both in the top three. And then you have uh, Greg Newsom, who's in the top 12. So this actually this week is going to feature seven, 14, like five of the top 14 cornerbacks in terms of quarterback passer and when targeting. Stingley's in the top 10. Steven Nelson's 14th. So it's going to be a lot of good cornerback play this weekend. And it's a good thing that the, the Texans have uh, Nico Collins to go against uh, Denzel Ward and Greg Newsom. Kind of carrying over that point, though, DJ, the other thing that I think is concerning to me is the fact that Case obviously made the mistake that everybody points to, which was the pick six. He also got away with quite a few other ones that – you're not going to get away with with Cleveland's defense. It's one thing to say, hey, they squeezed out a win. They found a way to get it done. It was a great victory, but it was Tennessee's defense. Yeah. This defense is on another level. Whether yep. you want to start talking about them being in the same ballpark as the Ravens and the Bears and all that, that's a different discussion yeah, for a yeah, different yeah, day. Yeah, 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 yeah. But this is for this week as opposed to what you faced last week. You're not getting away with those kind of mistakes no, because this not. defense is on a different level than Tennessee. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you have, again, Miles Garrett who has 13 sacks. I think that's top seven in the league. Again, they have the one ranked defense in the league. This defense is for real. Again, and their D.C. is Jim Schwartz. So, like, we, Jim, he's known for developing defenses that are going to be top tier. We saw what he did in, we saw what he did in um, what's it called, in uh, Detroit. And I think he was yeah. a D.C. for the Eagles when they won the Super mm-hmm. Bowl. So, like, his, he's stamped. Like, he is known for developing defenses and getting them to play at such a high level. So, yeah, as you said, this is not one of the weeks where Case can get away with throwing up some of those lollipops that uh, Don Schultz was able to steal yeah. for it, you know, was able to snag for him. But I do – I will give Case the benefit of the doubt, right? This was his first start in two years, you know. So, you know, knocking off some of that rust. Because, again, like, yeah, you can stay prepared. You can stay ready. But 
playing for the first time, starting for the first time in two years, that's still a tall task, especially on the road in that environment with no Nico Collins or Tank Dell. You know, speaking of Rust, one guy that, you know, when you look at the offense that I think all of us had at one point much higher expectations for, okay. it's John Mechie. And, yeah. like, I, it's, it's a uh, – sometimes I think it's almost, DJ, like an uncomfortable conversation because I still want to believe that the guy that we all saw at Alabama is in there. Yeah. But, like, I was hoping for more even last week with all these injuries that we were going to finally see maybe a breakout game. Do you still believe – and John Mechie, the player, that he can, he's going to figure this out at some point? Or do you feel like he lost too much time to where he's a little more lost? No, I would say I think like next year we could pop, probably see more of that. Um, yeah, I would say next year. Because I think like it's more about opportunity. Yeah. Because like, when he came back, he was in a room with Robert Woods, who had just got paid. Noah Brown, who they brought in via free agency. Tank Dell, who they drafted in the third round. Nico Collins, who they already had, who already had equity. So it was just more like it was a crowded room, and he was just kind of on the outside looking in. And, yeah, you know, we do have the injuries, things of that nature. Um, but I would say, like, you know, the combination of both the quarterback room and, the uh, you know, him being off for basically two years. Yeah, I was going to say, football shape-wise, this it looks isn't good. like you hurt your arm, but you keep your legs in cardio right, shape. Right. You're, you're just trying to be a healthy human being. Yeah. No, you're not thinking football activity. Yeah, exactly. And I think, like, we can see it right now with Calvin Ridley, right, like, People thought, oh, he was going to be this. When he came back, him and Trevor, they're going to wreck the whole NFL, that combination. And they've been mid for the entire year. Like, Calvin Ridley is on pace to miss 1,000 yards, and he's supposed to be their number one. And he's, again, on pace to miss, to not hit 1,000 yards. I actually have a bet with one of my friends over that. Um, and, you know, I think I'm going to win that bet. Uh, but, <laughs> again, like, he's had moments where he'll have a really good game, like week one against, he's the, a um, monster. against the Colts. He's he like, oh, here it come. And then – He's had, like, games where you have, like, under 30 yards. And I think it just kind of speaks to, like, the um, wear and tear that your body is able to to um, get used to week after week when you're playing consistently week after week, year after year. When you take time away from that, you can have a good Look moment. Look at Deshaun. It's yeah, the same exactly. Thing. exactly. You can have a good moment, but your body has to relearn how to um, recover in that moment and be able to get ready for the following, for the next week. And when you take time off, it's just it's super hard. So I think for Mechie, I think next year is a year where we can see a lot more in that regard. I hope so because he, he was an incredible player yeah, at Alabama. Was, and, like, I, and, and there's a reason why Nick Asiro traded up for him too. Yeah. So like I, I'm hopeful that one day we will see that for sure. He is DJ enemy. He will stick around for another segment. More Texans versus Browns. Plus, there's this three-way tie atop the AFC <laughs> South. We get into that next year on the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Hey, guys, before we go to the break, look, it's the holiday season. People are going to be out there. They're going to be driving all over the place. You know they're also going to be indulging, and that's where car accidents happen. And the fact of the matter is you're never going to be able to predict when a car accident is going to happen, but you want to be prepared once it does. That's why we tell you to go to the Hollingsworth Law Firm because the Hollingsworth Law Firm is where you need to go and who you need to call at the minute that an accident happens because they're going to be in your corner every step of the way. Steven and his law firm are experts at car wrecks. That's why they have carwrecktexas.com. You need to make sure you put the number in their phone because they don't get paid until you win your case. That means they're not going to have billable hours. That means they're not going to be dinging you left and right to try and get as much money as they can and not worry about the outcome. They're going to make sure that you win your case and that's why you go to carwrecktexas.com because they are going to win and they are going to be motivated and when they do what they do, you are going to be happy there in your corner. So when you have that number saved in your phone and you're ready to go when something happens, 
it's a big win for you because you can just call them and they're going to say, hey, make sure you get the police report. Make sure that you're prepared and making sure that the other driver gives you all the information and take you every step of the way. 713-999-8773. 713-999-8773. Put it in your phone now because you never know when you're going to need it. But when you need it, they're going to fight the insurance company, the other driver, and get you every penny you rightfully deserve and maybe more. That's why you're prepared. Go to CarWreckTexas.com or call them today because you never know when you're going to need a great attorney in your corner 713-999-8773 you're watching espn 97.5 with your ears high definition If you're headed to ESPN 97.5 and 92.5's Christmas party at Nick's place, Klein's Jewelers is totally on the way. Just saying. Now, now, back to the Mobile Veritex Community Bank Studios and your host, the Killer Bees, Joel Blank and Joe George. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Joe George, Joel Blank, DJ Enemy hanging out with us here live at Nick's place for our 2023 Christmas party. And uh, so, DJ, we spent pretty much that whole last segment talking about the Texans' offense versus the Browns' defense. But on the on the flip side, like Joe Flacco didn't have his best game last week. Some no. bad interceptions. Obviously, Will Anderson's not playing, but they just had seven and a half sacks last week. What do you think of the Texans' defense, what you saw, and how much that can continue this coming weekend? Yeah, I would say um, they're going to need that for sure. I, I mean, again, Johnny Gennari has played extremely well against almost everybody. Like, he's been, again, like a top 10 pass rusher this year um, by any metric you want to go by. So I think, uh, regardless, he, he's, I think he'll be able to keep it going because I, I know the Browns have dealt some injuries on the offensive line. So he should be able to eat, especially as long as Malik Collins plays. Because Malik is there, uh, along with Sheldon Rankins. What those two do, like, they, they don't get the love that they deserve. But those two, they make it a lot easier for Will and uh, Jonathan Gennard to have more one-on-ones because they're so good at crushing the, the the interior of the pocket, which puts those outside guys one-on-one for the most part with their tackles. And now those guys just got to beat those guys. And, like, when they beat them, there's not really much for the quarterback to step into and try to create. They got to sometimes try to bounce outside at that point. If they do their what they're supposed to do with their rush lanes, they're good. Or sometimes when they do their stunts with Malik, how Malik is really good at being able to um, really drive into the offensive tackle and then create a lane for Jonathan Gennard or Will Anderson to, to rush through. So I think um, as long as, you know, those three are there, Gennard, Will, not Will, Gennard, Malik, and Sheldon, they should be able to still create pressure. And then on the back end, like, again, Derek Stingley and Steven Nelson, they've both been exceptional this year. As you see, like, Stingley is second in AFC and Pro Bowl voting from on cornerbacks. Obviously, Steven Nelson should get some more love in that regard. But, yeah, I think they match it really well against the uh, Browns receiving core, mainly because it's just some, really it's just Amari Cooper and, yeah. and, and the rest, um, which, again, the Texans should be able to have some success that front, which is why, again, I think it's going to be a low-scoring uh, contest. It's just going to come down to who has the ball last and can whoever team that has the ball last make a play against that defense. DJ, because I'm with you. I think those guys in the interior defensive line have actually brother-in-lawed a lot this year, too. When one guy's hot, the other guy maybe is having up. But they've done their job. They've been phenomenal, and you'd love to see them both back. My question to you is more centered around John Grenard. Is he starting because of the stats, because of the season, because of how he's – 
he's kind of picked up where he was two years ago. Last year was an injury-riddled season. You kind of wiped that away. You'd love to have him back and be a bookend with Will Anderson Jr., but because he keeps racking up the sacks, because he keeps impressing everybody across the league, is it a point where you'd like to have him back, but someone's going to probably grossly overpay him? Nah, yeah. You know I mean, I mean some, he, he's going to have a market. That's for sure. I mean, you don't – it's rare that a double-digit sack guy hits the market. Like, the last guy I can remember that actually was on the free agency market was Trey Hendrickson for the, for the uh, Bengals. And I think he got, like, uh, four for 60, and that was, that was a bargain. When you, when you, Who you was the Raven it? and Viking? And he had he might have been from here. Judon, where he had yeah yeah he, he hit had the market double too. digits. Yeah, he hit the market too. I think, he, but like his was like he got like ten, once right, right, or something right, like right. that. And he went to the wing and he became even better. Um, but he still got he still got a he still got a pretty penny. Um, but I think Bernard, like if you factor in what he's gonna finish, with, he might finish with 13, 14 yeah. sacks. You know. Like, I know Hassan uh, Reddick, he got, when he hit the market, the second time after he was with Carolina, people still had questions about, is he a tweener? Like, is he more scheme-based, blah, 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 blah. Like, is he really an end? Is he an outside linebacker? There's more questions in that regard, which is why he couldn't get the money that he actually, he really deserved because he's one of the best guys in the league, too. But, yeah, now Gennard, he's going to cost at least 15. He's going to cost at least 15. Cause I remember Carl Lawson, when he hit the market, he got 15 on the open market. So, I think, for sure, it's going to cost some bread, but they we got to keep them. We, we were keep thinking him. 20. Keep them. Yeah, if it's 20, you can keep them. The if he goes like 23, 25, are they still going to be willing yeah, to spend I that? I don't, I don't know if he'll get 23, 25 because, he, I mean, the guys that are getting 23, 25 are viewed as like the best at the position, and he has one year at it, right, where those guys have multiple years. So I don't know if he'll get 23, 25. But he, he'll get close to 20 a little bit, maybe more than that. His agent Drew Rosenhaus, so Drew Rosenhaus ain't taking no discount. I can no. say that much. So they're going to have to pay him, but you got CJ Shaw on a rookie contract, so you can afford that. Yeah. yeah. Like, who are you paying? Like, you're not paying. You're not paying a receiver. You're not paying. Like, you paying Laramie. I mean, but you face. You, you think about all the guys that they got to resign, and you'd mm-hmm. like to possibly go outside and find a few guys to help too. But when you got Dalton Schultz, when you've got Cashman, when you've got Cashman uh, isn't going to cost that much. I hope not. You yeah, got you, you got Motor that's now playing himself into. He's play, not going to be big, but you, you'd like to keep him around. Yeah, you want to keep him, but you can play running back, so you can get him for you can get him for a two for eight or two for two for ten. That's only like five million. So and like you can. But, but what about uh, is Schultz? I mean, same I mean, contract the Cowboys offered him is probably what they're thinking. I mean, I, I would offer Schultz like three for thirty, three for like twenty seven. Okay, and you know, front loaded, so he so he can get his guarantees up front. And then you can get it out after year two, and you're good. You know, if he don't take it, all right, cool. Like, draft somebody else. You got Brevin Jordan, who, you know, he got to just stay healthy, but he's been he's been he's been respectable in the run game, and that was always the question. Like, could we always do as a receiver? He was he was a, he could be effective. You can see the talent, but he's been pretty good in the run game too. Like, you don't really I don't, I won't say you don't get too much of a drop off, but Brevin has been good in the run game too. So, you know, like you don't have to overpay in that regard. So, like. Yeah, you got to worry about all these people, but in reality, like, Gennard, like, you could pay Gennard and still take care of everybody else. And, again, you still got Stingley on a rookie contract, CJ on a rookie contract, um, Nico's still on a rookie contract, Tank is on a rookie contract. They drafted well enough to where you can you can almost, quote-unquote, overpay some guys 
in a regard and actually don't bother you. Uh, speaking of all the guys they drafted, they've brought in, like obviously Nick, Nick Casario had a great offseason. Yeah. There's really there's no denying that. There yeah, is, yeah, for sure. You watch the game on, any game on any Sunday for the Texans and you look at both sides of the ball, at least 50% of the starters are guys that are new and brought in by Casario. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, NFL.com did like their top five, Scott Pizzoli, Pizzoli or whatever it is, his top five candidates for executive of the year. He had, he had Nick on there. Do you think he's the favorite? Would no. you go Brad Holmes yeah. from the Lions? Like, I think it's hard to ignore Casario when you have C.J. Will, Collins, like all these guys he brought in. To me, even he Cashman, looks like even he guys that win. he found that upgraded on a cheap contract that have been big productive guys. Uh, no, really, uh, I can't give him uh, a executive of the year. No, I ain't giving him that. No, I'm cool. I'm cool off that. But it's not like Howie Roseman because he had already a ton of ro- a roster I mean, to work with. Again, like, you know, the guy you mentioned a lot with the Lions, like, he took over, you know, basically something similar to Nick Casario in that regard. They both kind of started in similar spots. Mine is obviously Nick had to deal with the Sean Watson stuff, but they were both in kind of cap, uh, cap similar situation. Obviously, he didn't have the draft picks, but they both found a way to, you know, get the draft capital. But the Lions are, they could be a top two C in the, yeah. a- in, in the NFC, right? Like, like, I have to give way more credit to – now, I'm not saying Nick hasn't been a top-tier guy. He has. Like, he had a great offseason. But, like, there's guys I could point to that had better offseason, have built better rosters, sure. in my honest opinion, right? Like, obviously, Lions, uh, you know, he, he's, done a, he's done a really good job there. Um, but, again, I have to give – again, this is no shot at Nick. But we're talking about the best guy. I don't know about that. Okay. Because it's still, you know, like, it's still 8-6. No, it's, not, no it's, you know. it's, it's fair. I think it's more yeah, just, yeah. like, the growth. Because if you're going to, like, a big picture, it is hard to ignore the past, right? The, the previous years, even for the Lions. Like, the Lions added three, four key pieces. Nick Casario added more than that. But, like, they, they've been all impact guys. But yeah, for sure. The top of this division, you have three teams tied. The Jags, you know, the Colts, the Texans, all tied for first place at this moment in the AFC South. How do you think it plays out? <sighs> Uh-oh, I don't think we're going to like this answer, Joel. Because Cleveland is the toughest team of that any of the three teams plays, right? Uh, Yeah, maybe. I mean, the, the, Jags, the, the Jags faced the, the Bucks this week without, probably without, maybe without Trevor. So that's a tough matchup for them. The Bucks have been playing really good ball lately. But Cleveland's um, a better team than Tampa. Yeah, slightly, a slightly better team. You know, you kind of split hairs at that point um, with those two teams. So I would agree that, yeah, they probably do play the toughest team down the stretch. I think if, if CJ, let's say CJ misses one more game, then like at a certain point you can't overcome being out without being out being without your starting quarterback for three straight weeks against two teams that have had some continuity at the quarterback position. Because yes, Gardner Minshew has started them. Like yes, they they were out there started the Colts, but Gardner's but he's played every single game this year. I, yeah. I don't know if anybody has realized that he's played every single game this year. So I can't even knock them. Like I don't think they'd be in the position if Anthony Richardson played the whole year. Honestly speaking, hmm. I don't. I don't think so. I don't because Anthony was still raw in, in that re, in that regard, and um, I, yeah, I just don't think they'd be in that in that position. Uh, I think maybe they lose one more game or a couple more games or whatnot. And I think Anthony's a great talent, so I think actually their better quarter has played the majority of the season. Uh, but the Texans would have had the more the bigger drop off from a quarterback to the backup standpoint. I don't know if they can overcome that. So. That's why I'm like the way it play out. I would still probably lean. I still probably lean uh, the Jags, right? Because even the Colts win their next two, she should come back. Like they'll probably lose their last game. But let's say the Texans lose this game, then like they'll be ten to seven, and it can get a little tricky in that in that regard. But 
I think the tiebreakers might favor them in, in, at the end. Right. Okay, so yeah. how many teams from the South make it? Uh, I think two teams make it. I thought yeah, so as well. Yeah, I think two teams make it. Yeah, I think that's fair. I, yeah, I would be I surprised if we get third, mainly because I love I love Jake Browning and the Cincinnati Bengals. I won't hide it. Yeah, like nah, even though Chase sure. is out, like I, I will not ignore it's a hell that. Tell the story. Like, yeah, nah, he's for playing sure. good ball. It, it's gonna be interesting because like if let's say the Bills run the table, like Miami would knock somebody else out. Miami's basically gonna make the playoffs no matter what. Yeah, because, nobody uh, wants Buffalo in the playoffs. Nah, no, nobody, nobody. Nah. I think the Bills are winning the East. Yeah, I'm nah, already on the record that. I don't think they'll win the East. The I think Dolphins Miami, play. I think, I think the Miami. I think Miami beats them at the end. They're not going to lose out. No, they out. play the Cowboys, the Ravens, and then the Bills. It's yeah, a rude. They, they got gauntlet. two. They're going to beat the Cowboys this week. The Cowboys. Can't, we'll see. They can't stop. They're not good at stopping the run. They struggle with motion, so they're going to have issues with that from a pass game standpoint, from a run blocking standpoint. Their whole defense is centered around. Michael Parsons wrecking the game. All right, so well, I don't think Miami's going to lose that well, game. Well, we got to go to break here. DJ's about to get beat up by the Cowboys fans. I'm just being right honest. So. They're not going to lose. Chris Collins is ready to fight. <laughs> All right, he is uh, DJ Biennemi. DJ, thank you. Everything you've done for us so far this season. Merry Christmas. Uh, happy brother. holidays. Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas. Whatever you say. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. All right, Christmas. good. All right, it is the Killer Bees here on ESPN <laughs> 97.5 and 92.5.